0: Hey, everybody, this is Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their head to leading with their heart, and then from leading with their heart to leading with their head. Today, we're going to go retro. We're actually going to go back to August of 2021 when I spoke with Rick Burgess, and I heard his story. It's a powerful story about vulnerability about choosing to be weak enough, if you will. It's a story about his childhood and the lessons he learned. Now, this is important because Rick is the Rick of the Rick and Bubba show. They're a nationally syndicated uh, radio show that has over a million listeners. So Rick... Rick has an incredible story, but he's also had incredible success. He he knows what success looks like. So he's going to talk to us about the lessons he learned through his childhood. He's going to talk about the woman who set him straight, and then he's going to share, um, speaking of vulnerability, about an incredible loss. It's a powerful interview. I think it's timely. I think it's, it's appropriate that we go back and listen in this day and time when it seems that we just don't hear a lot about being vulnerable. We just don't hear a lot about choosing to be weak enough to be strong. So, I invite you to to just kick back and listen with me again to this this really really interesting and I think powerful interview with Rick Burgess. Well I tell you what, there are um, there are leaders in, in this world, there are leaders everywhere, they're good leaders and bad leaders. Uh, but today we have a man who understands leadership. Rick Burgess, you are an incredible leader, not in and of your own self, but because of what God has done for you. You are a, a God fearing man. But it's it's more than that, I think. You you don't only fear God you put that into action and that's what this podcast is all about you got it in your head but you also got it in your heart you both ways you 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 believe it but you do it and uh amazing amazing testimony that you have but amazing leader thank you for being on crossing the line today
1: well what an honor to be invited to be here i got excited when you reached out Uh, i I love that you and i even at our age that we're starting to figure out i remember the first time i heard the word podcast uh (laughs) i i I thought it was some kind of disease and i didn't know who was going to stop it but but, uh, you know, and, and even in what I do for a living, you know, which started as terrestrial radio, we've we've learned that, uh, you know, the the podcast world is real mm. uh, and people love to go get content. And when I heard about the opportunity to do this long form kind of interview, I was excited because we can really unpack it. Oh, man. I, and I appreciate that. In our age, you know, Rick,
0: what are we now, 39?
1: Is that about right? Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, somebody <laughs> told me that you, you know, you actually, it says you're only as old as you feel. Uh, and there's right. days that makes me 85 right. and there's days that makes me 32. So, you know, it, it, yes. it fluctuates.
0: And it's those 32 days that get me in trouble. That's right. <laughs> me too. Me too. Rick, let's, uh, let's take just a few minutes. You have done so much. And in the intro, we talk about all that you have accomplished that God has accomplished through yeah. you, but, but you, you know how to pull people around you. You know how to lead, you know how to build something you're an entrepreneur um, at heart. You built an incredible enterprise and, and all those things are great, but don't, well, I really don't want to talk about that today. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about is you. And I want to take a few minutes, if you don't mind, because we want to understand leaders. That That's, I believe, if we can get people like you to, sh- to pour into us and share with us kind of the attributes, good and bad, that mm-hmm. made you who you are today, then we can make an impact on leaders across the world. So right. let's do this. Let's go back to a li- a day in the life of, of Rick Burgess when he was, Rick, you're you're eight years old. Um, you're eight years old. You're, you're at home. Tell me about how you grew up. Tell me about your mom and dad, your, your siblings. Give us a little insight to who was Rick Burgess as a child, young child.
1: Well, no one is surprised at what I do for a living. Uh, my, my mother said that, uh, you know, that it, it, when I was a little, it, she said it was like raising a small version of P.T. Barnum. Uh, <laughs> she said uh, you would come in and you'd put together some puppet show that we had to all go watch. And then and then one time I actually built an amusement park out in the, the wooded area behind our house uh, that you could come through the trails, and I had various things set up. Now, you had to always pay a dime to do any <laughs> of this, and I had a circus on the carport one time. Now, some of you don't even know what a carport is. Uh, That's we, right. I, I never had a garage. We had a carport. That's right. Uh, that meant there was a, a there was a concrete slab, and you parked your car on it, and it had a little, a little covering over the top <laughs> of it. And I, I did a circus uh, out there one time uh that involved uh, my dad's hunting dogs because uh, i didn't have lions and tigers so I, yeah, had to right. go, I had to get something and i and i painted <laughs> my little brother up as a clown and, and had mom make popcorn and so she said the entrepreneurial spirit uh, was 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 in you as a child uh and so uh, she said you really only seemed interested in three things hmm. radio football and music and she goes, honestly, uh, you weren't real well, well-rounded. That seemed to be the only three things you really cared about. <laughs> that was it, it. Yeah, so when people ask me, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Burgess, can you help me discover what I'm going to do? For with my life out of college a lot of times I'm like I'm not a lot of help with that because I've always known what I wanted to do. Wow. You know and I just felt that that was um, I didn't understand it being a call you know Mm -hmm. as a child but but I I was always just really enamored with listening to the radio and and what was going on with the radio and those 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 men and women on the air just really drew me in and I thought man I would really love to do that but uh, as far as leadership as a child, uh, I have uh, I have one younger brother and then a, a, a sister that's 10 years younger uh, mm-hmm. than me. And, but my dad uh, is a very uh, successful, or was, he's retired now, successful football coach. So my entire life, uh, because my dad was given the uh, – uh, responsibility of being a head football coach when he was in his 20s. Wow. And now, you know, so it happened for him really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I got to watch his example on, on what a leader looks like because, I mean – everybody in town would always talk to me about my dad you know and wow. tell me what 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 impact he had on them as a player and what impact he did so I, I was able to kind of a lot of the things that I that I modeled as far as leadership uh, you know before I didn't really I mean I certainly understood scripture and right. and and I was raised in a Christian family and uh, my my grandmother powerful woman of God but but when you're a child you, you, you don't fully understand those concepts uh, of, of, of the perfect leadership that we find in Scripture. Right. So, th- as far as an earthly standpoint, most of my leadership was built watching my dad.
0: It's a reminder to us all that we, our fathers, our mothers, our parents have great influence over us, um, positively and negatively. Those people who uh, mm-hmm. spoke into our life as a child uh, cannot be underestimated. So at, go back just a minute with that. You're watching your dad, but you're out, you're, you're making carnivals. You're, you're building mm-hmm. what inside of you, you know, back in the day, we didn't have, you know, we couldn't go get on our, our, our iPad no. or, we no. didn't have any of that, no. but you, you somehow decided, Hey, this is something I love. And then you had to create it. Is that, it, did, and Is that what happened?
1: Yeah. You know, it's, and I think, uh, and, and, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to come on here and say uh, video games are horrible. No, all this no. stuff's terrible. Uh, it can be, right? Uh, but I, but I can speak to to what you're talking about. I do. I do have a legitimate concern uh, that children are not given the opportunity to uh, uh, to develop their imagination. Right. Uh, I mean, we we. I remember in my our backyard. You know, when we grew up, everybody had little houses and huge yards. Uh, and no no I mean I couldn't imagine the people that, that I was around as a child that anybody would would, would build a house with a large bathroom right uh, you know what I mean they'd right. be like who wants to stay in the bathroom right and and, and so uh, <laughs> so you know it was the houses were just simple uh, they were functional because the world was to get outside hmm. there, there was no there was no desire to stay indoors and sit and look at a TV or sit and look at anything. the whole world was outside. And you were told to go outside, find something to do, and you would be told when to return to the house for a meal or something like that. And, and we weren't wealthy, so it might be one day might revolve around an axe handle that uh, you know no longer has the head on it. Right. So now it's a big stick, and, hey, here's a, here's a ball we found. It may not be a baseball. And before you know it, you're in the World Series in the backyard right. with an axe handle and some ball you found. Uh, no one had a glove. No one had a helmet. I mean, those things were not even – those things weren't affordable, so you didn't have them. So you, you had to go out and, and create. So if I'm thinking about, to your point, I'm going to do something out in these this wooded area behind my house mm-hmm. – I had to think, well, how's that going to function? You know, well, so would they go through? Here's some trails. So I guess they should walk through trails. <laughs> uh, here's some, here, here's some uh, wood that we could build some forts with. So I want to have some scenes where they come by and see forts, and I want to have a war going on out here and maybe some cowboys. And, and you know, well, here's something. This, this, this could be like a cowboy hat, though it really it not one. So you had to create
0: something from nothing. Creating something from nothing. Uh, most great leaders understand how to think creatively or innovatively, uh, how to ask that question, what else can we do? I think it's one of the reasons that Rick has been so successful in building this uh, radio talk show empire, if you will, uh, that he co-hosts. And,
1: and I, I'm concerned that with all the incredibly creative things that we have now, you can actually live your life now with someone else
0: handling all the creativity in your life, that's exactly. You, you, you that. don't really have to develop anything from nothing. Yeah, you just made my point. I, you know, nothing wrong with the with electronics, but but I think it's stealing away what you have—some of that creativity, some of that looking around and and creating something out of nothing. And I think you've carried that. I've watched you from afar, but that attribute is something you've carried with you for your whole life. That's mm-hmm. helped you to be the man you are today. Yeah. In terms of, I'm not afraid to take risk. I'm not afraid to create something. To so I'm not afraid to dream and then go execute that. So I think I think as you you know our parents just parented us different. Same thing. You go out and play. Um, I'll let you know when I need you back in the in our relatively small house, right? Uh, so as you walk through that, then then you had this love for football, and I'm going to guess because your dad was a head football coach. I, I'm just guessing that it could or could not be. But what was that like? So now you're in junior high, high school. Walk yeah. That.
1: Well, it 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 was you know it was really. Yes, my dad's what he did for a living. It was so normal. Um, it really was more that the culture that I that I grew up in is that everybody played football. I mean, it was it was the thing that was you know you saw uh, people packing high school stadiums on a Friday night. So you thought, well, I guess I guess if you're going to play a sport, play football. That seems right. to be the one everybody cares about. My dad actually, again, I think showing great leadership, made it very clear to my brother and to me that our identity was not football. Uh, my dad, I think, did a really good job. And there's a lot of coaches uh, that don't do this well. Mm. He had other interests. He he loved to hunt. He mm. loved to fish. He loved to be outdoors. Uh, he loved music. There's some of that stuff. I guess I was getting developed. It, we never looked at our dad and thought football, football only. Mm. Uh, we looked at our dad and thought this guy really enjoys life. And he told us, he said, "I do not want you to play football if you don't want to." Wow. And uh, and don't don't play football for me. Mm. So I really never did it for him. We did it really under the not pressure, but that the culture just kind of demanded it. I mean, if you were a, a kid that had some athletic ability, you played football, and uh, and so you know, and and I probably looking back started too young. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of of the little bitty football because mm-hmm. honestly. Little league baseball and basketball and some of the other sports, you can. It's it's pretty much like what you do in the backyard. Right. But little league football is nothing like what you do in the backyard. Right. Uh, you know, suddenly a guy's told all you do is block, uh, and and you know, and there's you go out there and there's all these men that now think this is their time to be Bear Bryant and Nick Saban and and you know and and Shug Jordan and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. These are Alabama coaches I'm talking about that we all grew up around. Mm-hmm. But but you know, and they're shouting at you and they're, and they're trying to run you till you drop and and you know so a lot of little boys go well why why am I doing this 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 isn't fun at all and uh, so it wasn't a great little league experience but again my dad never coached us in little league he never got out in the backyard and says let me throw you how to throw show you how to throw and catch show you how to block if we asked him for help he would give it to us but he he, I think he was very very conscious that if we were going to participate in football it wasn't going to be because of him and, uh, and I always appreciated that. I, I never felt that pressure. And I did get the opportunity to play for him in high school. My brother and I both did. Uh, and, and, again, something that's abnormal. The minute I say that I played high school football for my dad, everybody conjures up these images of Friday night lights and all these horror stories. We had no such experience. Mm. My dad did the, the, a masterful job of saying, I'm your dad and I'm your coach, and they are not the same thing. Love it. He never brought it home he never came if he was mad about something that had to do with us as a player right. it was never mentioned in the house when we got back to practice the next day then he would bring it back up again he didn't come home saying now look today on that one play what were you doing mm. never did that he 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 was dad at home and he was coach on the field, and there's very few men that can pull that off, and my dad did it masterfully.
0: That is amazing. And, and by the way, you played for a great program too, so sure. it's not like you're yeah. playing for you know a mediocre program right. like, yeah, where yeah. you played I mean, in high school. Yeah,
1: and dad's in all the Hall of Fames oh, there yeah. are in our state and all that. So he was very successful, but he didn't he didn't do the – he's not this cartoonish coach who coached his sons that you see portrayed. And sadly it's portrayed because a lot of times men can't handle that. But my dad handled it beautifully. If there was only one thing that he probably, looking back, said that, that maybe maybe he erred too far to the side of, of not he, – he didn't feel comfortable talking about any of our accomplishments to press or anything right. like that. So it was almost like – there's a funny story – that uh, when i was a sophomore and i didn't get pulled up to the varsity because i was great i got pulled up to the varsity because the senior class that year wasn't very good and so they they pulled up some sophomores to try to fill in to see if they could put together a team right. uh, and 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 we did not end up going to the playoffs and winning our area and all that you wow. know not by any huge margins because we had to fight for everything but i remember that i had made a play that warranted an award mm-hmm. it was they had this thing called hardest hit or whatever in the game and so my mom, who never really interfered, went by where the coaches were watching the film, and she heard them arguing that dad was not going to give me the award. And he said, He's a sophomore. We put it on him as a sophomore, it'll go to his head. I don't give awards to sophomores. And so my mother, I didn't hear the story till I was a grown man, knocked on the door and asked to speak with her husband. And she called him outside. She said, If that boy had the hardest hit, he better get the award. <laughs> and. and- And I got it.
0: (laughs) I bet you did.
1: (laughs) So there was always Mama. If if all else failed, bring Mama in. But I I could understand his dilemma. You know, he's like, well, this part's going to be kind of awkward. He's just a sophomore. Sophomores don't do this kind of stuff. But she said the bottom line is this. If it's not worthy of the award, don't give it to him. But if it is, don't withhold it from him and
0: uh and I and that that's mama giving a little wisdom. You know, there's something about that generation of men. Your yeah. dad's, you know, almost uh, is 80 and yeah. and that that humility or that that strength and humility sometimes uh mm-hmm. you know, they just had a a man, they had an adversity to, to just bragging on their son many of them and, and that's yeah. that greatest generation that mindset. I think. No,
1: you're right. I've talked about this before, Larry, that that and I it's a sad to say this and I actually do a comedy a bit about this, but my, some of my kids played some of this tournament ball. You know, we end up go to these summer tournaments, and a man would come up to you that you'd never even met. I mean, he's from Texas or something. and I'm from Alabama, and and he's like, "Yes, yeah, my son out there, number 11. Okay, well, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, you know, he's a, he's all 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 state his high school, and he's got about fifty offers out there, and he can run a four four forty, and and can bench press you know three hundred pounds. And I just like, I don't even know you, right? Uh, and 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 you know, and he's already. <laughs> bragging on yeah. his son and I said now you just said it our dads it I said here's how the conversations go with our dad hey hey Bill that's a big old boy you got there lazy that's right B- big old baby if I can get him out front of his mama's skirt he might do something I mean they w- they would just withhold any comp they didn't want to ever come off if they were bragging that's right or being prideful <laughs> about their own children let me tell you something parents have no problem with that today and are so right, Rick. And, and the problem with that is you're, you're just heaping pressure on top of your kid, and you're also turning that kid into an arrogant person that won't follow
0: leadership. Yeah, we, we call it narcissism, and right. I think it's yeah. epidemic today. Uh, but our, our parents were a bit different, and that generation was different, and we mm-hmm. grew up that way. So now Rick is a, is a high schooler. He's in high school doing his thing at Oxford and then on. what? Tell me, who were you then? What was that like?
1: Well, when I was in high school, um, I was what you would call a cultural Christian. Uh, I certainly believed all the concepts of, of, of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think for me in high school growing up in the Bible Belt, uh, I was a kid that, that everybody would say, hey, well, you know what? Uh, my mother's name is Gunnell, good Southern name, and my dad, Bill. Bill Gunnell's got a good boy. He's a good boy. Uh, you know, he goes to church. He doesn't drink. Mm-hmm. he's uh, he, uh, he, he carries himself well. Now, I was completely the class clown, though, and so I got in trouble all the time, <laughs> not about things that were mean or right. whatever, and sh- some of it may have been disrespectful because I should have kept my mouth shut in the class, so I apologize for that. <laughs> But now I did have a problem with that. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't. I was not a great student. Uh, I say that uh, uh, that my football number was seventy five, and that was like me wearing my average out onto the field. <laughs> uh, it, I was a classic C student. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like school. Uh, if I, if I was not interested in the topic, right. I had a hard time paying attention. Uh, but but if you look at even my high school and my college, you'll see I did really well in the area of things I was interested in Mm -hmm. and I did very poorly in things that I was not interested in. Uh, but, uh, so, and I was, uh, from a leadership standpoint, um, I, I was I was captain of the, of the football team. How about that? Uh, I I was I I was part of the class. I was the class cl- uh, buddy of mine. Were president, vice president of the student body. Wow, and, and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't. I don't think I really understood. I wasn't trying really to 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 be a leader. Right. Uh, and I and unfortunately, I think there was even a side of me that said I don't really want that responsibility.
0: Right. You know. Right.
1: But it was just the way the personality and the way God created me. It was almost like you don't really have a choice. So you better yeah. learn how to do it. And, uh, but uh, so early on, um, you know, I, I was, you know, and, and I was in that in that culture a lot of times, uh, you know, spent a lot more time with my family than I did anybody else. Had great friends, you know, grew up in a neighborhood where everybody knew each other mm-hmm. and, uh, and we all hang out. So I had great friends. I uh, had a great time playing high school football. Was always on good teams. Uh, I loved playing for my dad. It was not a negative experience at all. I, I joke around a little bit. You know, I do men's conferences oh, sure. about, about some of the sayings that he that he has, which were hilarious. But, uh, but, but I I really. Enjoyed. I, I went to a, uh, I grew up in a community, Oxford, Alabama, yeah. uh, which is you know. So I get to go around telling the world that I'm an Oxford graduate. Yes, you yes, know, you that, are. that's always impressive when people <laughs> yes, hear it. it is. Until I tell them it's Alabama. <laughs> uh, but but it was just the classic hometown, uh, small town Alabama. Uh, with the high school where the community loved the football team and, and everybody was – you know, if you weren't at the football game on Friday night, some, everybody thought something was wrong with right. I uh, had some great teachers that, um, that invested in me. I did have one teacher who we have – I still get to talk to her from time to time who literally said this in a classroom. Rick Burgess, I don't know what your plan is, but good luck on finding a career that is going to pay you to sit and make wisecracks.
0: <laughs> and here you are and here i am look I, I,
1: I saw her uh after the show the rick and bubba show had been on the air for like 10 15 years right. and i said miss kelly have you heard my radio show she goes yes and it makes me want to run my car into a tree <laughs> she said please don't tell him i taught you english so uh so anyway so it's 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 kind of a running joke you i know? love it but but i do remember yeah. that it's like hey yeah you know, if you, you think you're gonna find a way to make a living at all this <laughs>
0: She was a prophet; and didn't know it. She there you didn't go. Even know it, so. but, <laughs> so, I, but I had a great time in high school. Everybody loved you. You you were a natural. I, I guess a natural leader, or naturally connected, and you weren't afraid of doing that. It's kind of in your in your DNA. And and you go on now. You're up to college. You're in college. Talk a little bit about that and who you were at that stage of your life. Well, this is not so good.
1: So so when uh, when I was actually being recruited, and I was still trying to figure out in my life then is football is this it is that is that my identity you know we do this even in the men's ministry stuff that we do the first five weeks in our curriculum is identity right because most men don't know their identity that's right and, and so i said what what is my identity is is it football uh you know this radio interest i don't really have a plan on how that's going to happen but i'm i'm currently playing football and uh, and i and if i had had a if i had worked harder at it uh, you know, I just was naturally able to play, probably from my dad and my granddad and all their genetics. Right. Uh, my brother was—he worked harder at it, and and it was an overachiever. Okay. I was probably, honestly, I wouldn't say underachiever, but I didn't. I didn't do extra workouts and stuff like that at hmm. all, and and so uh, so the uh, didn't enjoy that part of it really. Uh, I used to always say, "Look, just get me to Friday night; Every, everything will be fine." This right. other stuff, <laughs> and uh, which is not a good attitude to have, by the way. That's that's right. I, I wouldn't promote that. So I was being recruited by the SEC, and my dad had played for Auburn University. Uh, and they were recruiting me heavy, and I was like, "Well, that's where I'm gonna go." And I didn't really take many visits to other schools that were talking to me, and and uh, did did most all my visits there. And I got injured in the semifinals of my senior year, and we didn't have orthopedic surgeons on the sidelines right. in those days. Right. You, know, you had. The local doctor, somebody that would help, and they didn't really have that expertise. I would find out years later that my foot actually had broke across the top of the of the of the knuckle, and mm. the, well, I call it knuckle. You know, right. the part of your big toe, and then yep. right across that part, it broke there, and then the ligaments on the other side oh. had been stretched to the point they were like boiled spaghetti. Yeah. So, but in those days, I mean, they taped me up, and I went back in the game, and and finished out. T- t- my wife hates this story. She's <laughs> like, y'all are idiots. And so I said, it was just a different time. <laughs> it I mean. was. And so. Uh, so I played two and a half more games. Uh, and so on signing day, I was brought down to the athletic department, uh, and the Auburn coaches were all there at the time. Pat Dye was the head coach. It was his second season. Uh, Bo, who I'd played against, had gone the year before. And so um, he told me that day they weren't going to sign me. Oh. Uh, and so I was like, what? And so so he said, we don't like this injury. We don't know how it's going to affect you. Uh, why don't you just walk on and let's see how it does. And then maybe we'll give you a scholarship. So I got real upset about that. I uh, really had not prepared myself for that kind of setback and started calling the other colleges who said, hey, it, it's signing day. We don't we, we would have to do the same thing. We've already committed all of our scholarships. And so then Troy, uh, it was Troy State then. It's Troy now. Uh, they were in the Gulf South Conference, Division two, and they came in and said, we'll give you a full scholarship to come play here. Well, in the All Star game uh, that summer, I'm now playing in this high school All Star game with all the guys that I think I'm as good at or better good as are better, mm-hmm. and they're all going to the big schools and they're doing all this. I didn't have an appreciation for right. Division two or one AA football at that time. I'm, it's funny that Dad would go on to coach that uh, after yeah. this, so I would have a real appreciation for it. So I was I was, and this is important for people listening to this to understand decisions. So I had never had a drink of alcohol in my entire life. And I was standing with a bunch of guys that night, and it wasn't peer pressure. Right. Because, like I said, I've always been in a position that I never was in a position that I ever received peer pressure because I was usually in a leadership role. So I, I didn't have peer pressure. Uh, I, don't, I don't know for what reason, whether it was just frustration. Uh, it was certainly that I had not built my faith. On a strong foundation i was just a cultural christian i knew the basic concepts of it uh but i had definitely not submitted to the authority of christ or or understood Mm. uh you know true redemption and so i decided with all these big time players uh to take a drink of alcohol and when i did uh that led to 13 years of just total disaster i i uh i went to troy for one year okay uh was uh, played as a freshman was Terribly out of shape when I got there. Still ended up getting on the field and playing. Uh, turned into just a horrible human being. Uh, and went down the road of just total debauchery. Uh, rejected everything. Did not go back to church. Uh, was a total embarrassment for my family. Mm. Uh, and uh, left the team after one season. Uh, joined a rock band and, and went on the road as a, as a lead singer of a rock band. Wow, Uh, and spent the next 13 years really uh, destroying a lot of lives, making a lot of damage, Mm -hmm. and and causing a lot of – I certainly wasn't the type of leader that you would want.
0: Wow. I really appreciate Rick's authenticity here, Um, his self-awareness, his ability just to to call it like it is, even when he's talking about uh, himself. Uh, That shows great character.
1: Wow! All of that back to that decision—that one decision. Uh, you know, I—I—I I'd, I'd, I'd never—I I'd never felt pressured. As a matter of fact, I remember in high school, you know, being told that I—you're not invited to come to this party. Uh, we're going to the beach. You know, we—we we don't want you to go because we know you don't drink. Uh, to being everything that I had found uh, repulsive.
0: Wow! And so that lasted 13, 13 years. years of your life. Yeah. Where you just living it for yourself. Lead singer of a rock band. I guess I'm making an assumption. Doing things that go along with that yeah, type of lifestyle. Most absolutely. Of, most of the, so, did you hit bottom? What happened? Yeah, I, I
1: you know I, I had been married for two and a half years. Uh, in the middle of all that, mm. uh, had been divorced, had two kids, uh, and then I met Sherry. Uh, as she uh, the the then the Rick and then I left the rock band. And I, I one time I was doing radio and the band at the same time, which I would not suggest that lifestyle <laughs> either. When they moved me to mornings, I thought, well, this is surely my death, right. and uh, <laughs> because I would come from playing and go right on the air, and and so when the show first started, when I finally I did the show by myself for a while, and then I met Bubba as an engineer, and when we first started the show, I was. I was still in this lifestyle had been divorced and sherry came in as the new news person on the show and i saw her and i thought well that's the most beautiful woman i've ever seen in my whole life and everybody was like please don't embarrass yourself Hmm. and uh and so i started pursuing her and long story short she decided to go out with me one time for a lunch uh and we met each other and then we fell in love and I was bringing a lot of baggage. I was right. not what every little girl dreams of. I always say, no little girl dreams of a man with a mullet in a broken-down car with two little kids from a broken-down marriage. That's not what women usually dream about, right. Prince Charming. <laughs> and uh, so, but she loved me anyway. And uh, mm-hmm. together, uh, through, through our marriage counseling, uh, we both became redeemed. Wow. Uh, the marriage counselor looked at my life and said, I think you're just lost, Rick, uh, and, and I don't want to marry you because I think you're just going to mess up somebody else's life. And I was like, yeah, but, I mean, I, I believe when I was a kid and I got baptized twice, right. once as a kid, once as a teenager. And uh, he said, there's just no evidence of redemption in your life. Look, look at how you've lived deliberately, perpetually, continually. These are not stumbles. And, and I just believe you're lost. And he was right. And I remember going home and, and dealing with that and saying, there's something wrong here, but but I know I believe the right things. I've believed that since I was a child. Uh, and and I've, I took a Bible, which I had not cracked in 13 years, and it fell open to the book of James, and I didn't even know who James was. Mm. Uh, and I saw the word submit in James chapter 4. Submit yourself, chapter verse 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, come near to God, and he'll come near to you. And because of understanding authority, mm. growing up under the leadership of my dad, mm. Because he was very authoritative in a good way. Sure. I looked and I thought, Submit. I'm not I'm not under God's authority. I mean I do whatever I want. Uh wow. and, and at that moment, in that in that in that bachelor yeah. pad, yeah. I can still see that old nasty carpet, I got on my face and I said, Lord, I'm not under your authority. So I, I want to just submit. I see this word, I understand what that means to submit to authority. Mm. So I will submit to your authority. I know what you did on the cross and been told that my whole life, so I know that you love me, but God, I don't love you. It's evident. Look at my life. I don't love you, so you got to teach me to love you, and I realize I didn't love him because I didn't know him because if you know him, you'll love him, and he says, if you love me, then you'll obey me. It's not legalism. It's not self-control. It's not a new code of conduct. It's response. To, to how much you love him because of, of the strength that has come into your life when you're truly redeemed. And so I did that as best as I could understand. I was sincere, which right. is the key. right? Uh, and it radically changed my life. And Sherry and I both uh, submitted to the authority of Christ, repented of our sin, came under the authority of a local church, and, and we've been sanctified and growing ever since.
0: All right, so your decision back as a, as a college freshman that was a failure. You 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 yeah. said, "Look, I, I decided to do this lifestyle," mm-hmm. but it wasn't fatal because of God's grace. You were able to make another decision, right, yeah. with Sherry, that said, "I'm going to submit. Yeah. I, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to." And Sherry did the same. Yes, uh, yeah. Sherry had been on her own journey
1: of of cultural Christianity, but she said something so beautiful when we both were were kneeling at that altar, and we could feel the Holy Spirit. All over us. Sherry said this and so beautiful. And I agreed with her. She said, "For the first time in my life, I was exactly where I was supposed to be." What?
0: Well, that's amazing. Yeah. What? A, what a testimony. What to say that on your wedding day? Yeah. With her by. And you guys have been together now, married how long? Twenty five years. Twenty five yeah. years. Yeah. And not all of it has been easy. No. Walk us through. Uh, now you're married. You've you've turned. Uh, you still you still have the show. I mean, mm-hmm. you have the show yeah. now, but mm-hmm. you're not in the band. No, no, we, we we did a little bit of
1: continuing now under the authority of Christ, but we were, I was new to the faith. We did some shows like an amphitheater, just Rick and Bubba and some musicians and stuff. But no, I, the band life uh, I was leaving it, and um, and so we started the process uh, of uh, getting in the local church, which I'd never done before. Uh, and now see, I've got to learn to be the spiritual leader of right. a home, which I I didn't know how to do that at all, and um, and my wife plugged into the faith quicker than me started growing spiritually quicker than me and unfortunately had to lead our house spiritually for a while because i used those excuses you heard me talk about uh i talk about this at men's men's gatherings mm-hmm. that i made the excuse that i just didn't like to study i was never a good student right. i don't like to study this is hard for me and but then i realized though but wait a minute i'm an expert on everything i care about so somehow even if i don't like school and I don't like reading. Where, where, am I, where have I become an expert on football? Where did I become an expert on deer hunting, fishing, fill in the blank? Right. How did I become an expert on those things? Well, i tell you how. I love them. Mm. I deem them a value. So a man mm. always is an expert on anything he deems a value. And I realized that. And so I started the process of pursuing Scripture and pursuing it. my faith mm. the way I did everything else I deemed a value and over time as you know once you taste that you taste of the lord and he is good mm. uh, it began to be everything else and it's still happening now everything becomes less and less important and desirable when you realize how wonderful right. he is
0: yeah I watched you or listened to you for years and I've seen that 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 process I've seen it it go through that you you know your your interest your passion yeah. one of the things you teach us Rick, you, you know is about what we're interested in we invest in and, and certainly God and, and 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 his son and, and really studying and learning, but the other thing I've watched you is you you become a student of sherry, your wife you you're passionate about her, man you love her well it's it's your un,
1: it's your number one earthly priority mm-hmm. you know if, if if you're married and um, and I just I mean i I realize that God is what changed me, but he used her. if he doesn't get me approved under holy matrimony. With a woman like her, where would I be? Mm. You know, Because men and women are, are equal, no question about that, but they're distinctly different. And and the job she has done to be the perfect helper, mm-hmm. as, as we hear God say that in the book mm-hmm. of Genesis, if you want to know God's standard of marriage, just look the first time he ever, when he creates it. And he says, I, there is nothing that's a perfect helper and partner for a male. I haven't made it yet. Genesis chapter 2, I haven't made it. So then he says, so I have to go on record. I will now create the perfect helper and the perfect partner for man, a male, mm. which means everything he created at that point was not the right partner. So he created create, create a woman. Mm. And, and, and this, this is not a mild deal when he says this woman now becomes your helper and your partner. Uh, what Sherry has done to undergird me and, and has been used by God to disciple me, to grow me and to, to, to even t- at times say, I've discovered this in Scripture here. Look at this. This is a way to go about this that you may have missed. And then we sit down, and she'll say, sometimes I'll deliver a message that she's actually sat down with me and helped me put together I love that. and always bring stuff to the table that I didn't see. Uh, and yeah, she's yeah. a powerful woman of God, and, and uh, there there I- there is no word to describe her value to me.
0: Mm. And And that is so evident. And you guys were building a foundation now in your marriage. You were— you were having children, the the, the spiritual foundation is growing, uh, and then something happened.
1: Yeah, we so Sherry, you know, becomes a, a stepmom of two little kids, a, a boy and a girl, does a great job with that, and so we uh, started having children that were biologically hers as well. So we had three sons, so now we have five children, and uh, four sons and one daughter, and our youngest, uh, Bronner, and I remember Sherry coming up with that name. She said, you've named all the kids, I want to name this one. Hmm. And uh, she says, uh, she says, what do you think about the name Bronner? And I was like, that sounds like somebody's last name. I, I don't. Where do you where are you getting Bronner from? And she says, I don't know. I just, I just, I think it's it's not weird, but it's unique. Because I always worry about giving your kid a weird name because I have to right. deal with it at school and all that. Right. And and so uh, so when he was born. Uh, we gave him a family name, William, which is throughout family. That's my dad's name, my brother's name, my grandfather's name, and the list goes on and on. Uh, so William Bronner Burgess. And, uh, so at two and a half years old, I was speaking, uh, in Pigeon Forge. I'd started to go out and speaking at this time, mainly youth stuff. And, uh, I was speaking with Scott Dawson Evangelistic Association and Sherry was home with the, with the kids. And then, and then our oldest were teenagers at that time. And then the, the younger ones were eight, six and, and Bronner two and a half. And, um, So I got a call while I was there with my wife, frantic, uh, that our youngest had had somehow, uh, while he was playing with his brothers or whatever, had gotten out of what we thought was a a secure locked door uh, and had gone out to the pool and fell in and drowned. Mm. Uh, And she said, they're trying to revive him. Mm. And you know, when when you're five hours away from your wife and this is taking place and you start trying to work your way back, uh, there's, there, I mean, I, but I felt the power of the Holy Spirit on me just because I'm like, Lord, this is, you know, he loves you enough to take you to places where you have to depend on him. You don't have any choice. Uh, as I learned from God that, that, that my problem was not that I wasn't strong enough. It was that I wasn't weak enough. Uh, you know, I was raised to be strong, that's to right. stand up, take on anything. And there's nothing, I mean, that's, that's okay. Uh, except when you start committing the sin of self-reliance. Yeah. And, uh. So, because there's things God can't do with a with a with a man that won't be completely reliant on Him, or a woman who won't be completely reliant on Him, and um, because you're you're trying to say this this part I can still do this on my own, mm. and so as the Apostle Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 12, I've asked you to remove this thorn in my flesh. I've asked you three times about it, and you won't do it, and I realize you won't do it because you keep me from being conceited. Uh, And and you're humbling me with it and reminding me that your grace is sufficient. So I celebrate calamity. I celebrate my weakness because when I'm weak, then I'm actually strong. And and so God was taking me through that process because this was a, you got nowhere to go but God and you had no way to do it.
0: I don't know if you're a person of faith or not, but this lesson that Rick is teaching us on vulnerability is incredibly powerful. So many times the greatest leaders, are the leaders who recognize their weakness and allow others to help them. And as a person of ha- faith, it's about realizing that in our weakness, God can make us strong. Great teachings from Rick. At one point, even tying your shoe.
1: Yeah, you know, when, when, when I was sitting down after going through all this, and I did, I looked down and I was trying to go back to work a week after he went to heaven and went through the memorial service and, and um, you know, learning from Sherry as she was sitting in Children's Hospital. Uh, I, you know, she, she wrote that she's got a book called Bronner: A Journey to Understand. She wrote that. It took her five years to write it. It was just grueling. And in it, she, she describes the moment of, of sitting there waiting on me to get there. And she said, you know, our pastor came to the hospital after they told us that our son could not be revived. Uh, our friends came some of our family came she said but everybody knew the same thing they couldn't be my husband Mm. there was a leadership role that god had placed my husband in that no one could duplicate Mm. he could not be replaced so we waited on him and so god prepared me for that all the way to get to her i said to her what he told me to say i took her in my arms and she said in that moment was the first moment that that I knew that everything was gonna be all right. Now this is a powerful woman of God. Right. You know, it's not somebody that doesn't know scripture. Right. And so she knows these things, but there was something unique in the husband wife relationship that couldn't be duplicated. And so after that's over and you know we do the memorial service, which I didn't think I was going to speak at. I thought I was just gonna thank everybody, it ends up on YouTube. It becomes the number one most viewed YouTube in the world for a week goodness gracious which I didn't even know what YouTube was and YouTube was invented the, the year that Bronner was born you see God with so all that going interesting and so uh, so that moment now to what you're talking about we had we had a little farmhouse that we were living in that we left the main house and went and lived there because we didn't know if we could go back I didn't know if Sherry wanted to go back to where the pool was mm. and so I'm sitting there ready to go back on the air and I say Lord I I kind of think I just need to I don't know about doing this anymore I mean When's the next time you say something funny? When you, I, it's gonna be hard for me to give everybody the stories of the day and let's break them down. I don't care about any of that. Right? That's now. right. This world is in this world, little boys drown. Lord, I don't. I don't want to be here. I mean, I really was at the point. I wasn't suicidal, but I was like, man, if you want to come back now, if you want to take all of us to you, I, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I'm done. And. And I said, I can't even tie my shoes to go to work, and you expect me to go back and do this. And that's when I heard from my spirit, no, now you're ready. Whew, you know, the, 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 There was a time, your problem is not strength. Your problem is weakness. And so I have broken you down to right now you're asking me to help you tie your shoes. So from this day forward, I can now use you in a way that I never could before. And I have people say, and they'll say this, hey, have you ever heard Rick Burgess speak anywhere? And they'll say, "Yeah, I think I did. When? Before 2008 or after?" And if anybody says before, they say, "Go hear him again. Mm. You didn't hear the same guy. Man, you got to go hear the guy after 2008." And uh, and my wife will even do that. You know, we've seen what suffering has done in both of our lives, and sometimes we'll sit and we'll hear a young guy up there talking, right. and he'll be great, man. He'll be mm-hmm. he'll be gifted. He and loves the Lord, and Sherry'll nudge me. She say, "This guy's really gonna be something once he suffers, man." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Right? Yeah, right. She wow. said, well, when God refines him, he's really gonna be something."
0: That's, yeah. you know, it's there's so a true, tone Rick.
1: that comes with suffering there that is. you can't duplicate any other
0: way. It, it's so true, Rick, and and I've always said, even in my life, I don't like that. That mm-hmm. I seem to learn the most from my failures or my struggles, and my heart. I don't like it, but it's just true. I'm like God. What I, can, can I learn something from oh, something yeah. good, oh, please? Yeah.
1: Well, my wife says this in her book. She says, "I don't always like God's tactics." But I cannot argue with his results.
0: Right, that's well
1: said. Yeah, yeah, yeah because there's things that I have seen accomplished in my life, yeah. in my children's life, in my father's life. Back to him again. Yeah, that weren't going to be accomplished any other way. That's
0: amazing. And Rick, you have used your life and the life of those that you hold dear and love. You've used them for God's glory, and He is He is honoring you and putting you in a position of influence. And that's what leadership is. It's it's really the ability to influence others. Mm-hmm. And you are an influencer, Thank an you. amazing influencer. And what I love about you is you are very strong, and you're a very strong person, and str- from a personality standpoint. Mm-hmm. But you're not narcissistic. And I've seen you pull people around you I've seen you allow other but you do it on the Rick and Bubba show you have a your whole thing is we've got a great team here and I hear you thank them every day I hear you you well, and and your relationship with Bubba all of that to say that's what leadership looks like your influence in leading them um, through through serving them through caring for them so here's what I want to do is we've got a clock could talk to you all day you got to go preach in a minute uh, but I want to ask you this if you will help us and we'll wrap this thing up and thank you for this. You are amazing. This, will, this will help me. people and bless people. And, and what an amazing leader. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question sure. before I let you go? There, there are, uh, just like you, just like me, there are young leaders out here today and they're trying to figure it out. They're mm-hmm. making some bad decisions, some mm-hmm. good, some bad. Uh, we don't want those bad decisions to, to be fatal. We right. want them to learn like we did. Could you give us just two or three things mm-hmm. that you would say to an aspiring sure. young leader, man or woman?
1: All right, number one, if you're in a position of leadership, please don't treat everybody like they're all encouraged, inspired exactly the same way. Mm. Uh, this I learned this from my dad. Uh, my dad said, look, everybody on the team, and whatever that means to you, team, uh, all have to abide by the same rules. I don't play favorites like this person was able to get away with being late, but you can't, that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. He said everybody is under the same rules. There's equality with everybody. It's Everybody's the same. But you don't motivate everybody the same. That's right. If you go after one person on your team ag- aggressively, like, hey, man, I'm going to challenge them, for some of those members of your team, that will actually break them down. They, that, that is not their language. Now, you have some people that are – got to figure that out – that are inspired by being challenged. I was one of those people. My dad would challenge me. But if he went after my brother the same way, my brother would quit on him and be mm-hmm. mad at him. He would get, he would get a pushback. Like, you know, I'll show you, I won't do anything. Mm. You know, it made my brother mad. So my brother needed encouragement. That was his language. Not not that you let him get away with breaking rules, that's not what I'm talking about. But you can't inspire him through challenge, challenge, challenge. You inspire him by saying, you know what, that was really great. What a good job. But let's talk about this. Let me next time won't you try this? Mm. Where you go to another person and say, hey, man, you that's on the can't happen list. You can't do that. Right. I mean, I, I, I you're better than that. Well, that some people respond to that. Others don't. Okay. So don't take this blanket. This is the way I get the most out of everybody and apply it to everybody because it doesn't work. You better invest and get to know them and figure out what makes them tick. Uh, If there's one thing that I've learned is try to figure out what gets the best out of each individual person. Mm. The other thing is, and and I know this may be worn out, but I want you to really think about it. They have to know you care about them. Mm. They have to know. I mean, are you asking the people that you uh, have been placed in leadership, have you asked them about their spouse? Have you asked them about their children? Do you know the names of their children? Mm. Do you know the name of their spouse? Do you know that their mama's in the hospital? You know, don't put yourself up in some ivory tower as if you're in one place and they're in another. Get down there and get dirty with them. Wow. I mean, get, get into life. If someone knows that you care about them and somebody knows that, that that you know, you just don't want them to do the job you don't want to do, mm. and then be sure they know that you actually are investing in them. And then the third one uh, is, and I saw it happen with with my dad, is you never ask people to do something that you won't do. Oh, yeah. uh, th- there's there's a story about my dad, athletic director, award-winning football coach, had been coaching successfully for years. And the guy told this about my dad, and I've never forgot it. He said I was here to sell equipment to him as an equipment salesman for the team, he has shoulder pads, helmets, whatever. And I couldn't find him. He said I went to athletic building I couldn't find him. He said so I, I started calling for him out into the dressing room, and I heard him answer me deep into the dressing room. He said, so I go around, he's athletic director and head coach. I walk in and he's cleaning the toilets. And I said, my dad's name's Bill. I said, Bill, what are you doing cleaning the toilets? You know what he said? Because it's my turn. Wow. It's my turn. And so <laughs> if that's not servant leadership that's and right. that's not humility, if somebody every time somebody says, Tell me the one thing about your dad that I may not know. His humility is incredible. My dad never tried to bring attention to himself. And and, and no one ever worked for my dad. That I, the, 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 he, he did a press conference mm. after winning the national championship. Mm. The guy asked him it was the last play of the game to win the game. And you know how they do, some head coaches. They get, he goes, Coach Burgess, did you make the last call that won the game? And you know what he said? Mm. And I don't know a head coach alive that wouldn't have said, well, yeah, you know, I got down there and talked about it and right. you know, what yeah. defense we needed to be in. He goes, let me ask you a question. If you're going to make the right defensive call for the offense's last try to score from about the 11-yard line, he said, who are you going to have make that call? The coverage we're going to get in and how we're going to defend it. The guy who has sat down and broke down thousands of hours of film, talking about his defense coordinator, Mm -hmm. or the guy that spoke at the Kiwanis Club.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: (laughs) Wow. He said, so I I let the guy who put the work in make the call. I didn't have anything to do with that call. Now you tell me another head coach that would have said that.
0: Nah, that's a, that's a man. It's a incredible leadership uh, trait, and it's incredibly rare. Yeah, uh, you just don't. So, hear it. so
1: those are the that we could do more, but but that's no, three that's things that, that I would apply to anyone who wants to be a good leader.
0: There's a lot of people, and leadership
1: is not something you just declare. That's I'm right. the leader. That's right. Uh, it's something that is earned, right. and it's also a skill set. That's and, right. You know, just because you have a title doesn't mean you're a leader.
0: Rick Burgess, you are amazing. You have taught us, educated us, inspired us today. Um, Thank you, Frank. God's got his hand on you. He's anointed you with his Holy Spirit, and you're allowing him to do that. Thank you. This this is incredible wisdom, incredible nuggets of truth, and it will make a difference in the lives of others. Thank you for being here today, brother. Thanks for trusting me
1: with it, and uh, I hope we get to do this again. Me too.
0: Take care. Well, what an authentic conversation from Rick Burgess truly enjoyed getting to know Rick and I learned so much from him. I appreciate his willingness to be honest and open, to share his heart, uh, to walk us through some of the pain that, that he has experienced in his life along with the hope that he has in his faith. He certainly is a man of God who loves God and loves people. I hope that you have, as I have, learned some things and enjoyed hearing Rick's story. Thank you for joining us on Crossing the Line and thank you for making a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. We'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Eagle Center for Leadership. You can check us out at www.eaglecenterforleadership.com.